Welcome back to Let's Talk About Today with Arvin. Today I am joined by a political science student at the University of Ottawa. He's the president of the University of Ottawa Young Liberals, and he is the finance chair of the Young Liberals of Canada, Ontario. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, thanks. Awesome. Well, I am joined here today by Henry Mann. Henry, how's it going, my man? Good, thanks, Arvin. Thanks for hosting me. I'm happy to be here chatting with you and just enjoying this uh, this late summer weather we've been getting and hoping you've been doing the same. It's good to be here tonight. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, there's been so much going on in the past 24 hours. Um, it was sort of irresistible not to want to talk about it. And I'm glad that you were available to come and chat about it. Uh, you're a pretty smart guy and this is the sort of realm that you're in as well. So uh, I thought it'd be a good idea to chat with you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm honored. Awesome, awesome. So uh, let's start off with what happened last night. We got a bombshell of uh, an announcement. Um, We were very surprised to hear that Bill Morneau, he was going to make a surprise announcement and everybody was speculating what it was going to be. And then all of a sudden it was uh, confirmed that it was going to be his resignation. And so Bill Morneau, uh, you know, he came on the podium. He talked about how he was resigning not only from cabinet, but also from his seat in Toronto Center. And he was going to be running for secretary general of the OECD. Uh, which is sort of like an international organization that does, you know, um, like they're looking for solutions to, you know, social and uh, environmental issues. So um, I want to get your thoughts on what do you think about this huge, you know, load of news, in my opinion, that a minister of finance is resigning during, you know, a global pandemic and something that's especially affecting millions of Canadians right now in Canada. We need our minister of finance. So what do you think about his resignation? Well, you know, I mean, I think he's, definitely someone who's served Canada admirably uh, over the past almost five years, I guess it's been when he's been in that role and certainly the hard work that's been needed that he and his other colleagues in cabinet uh, have been doing since March when the pandemic really hit, uh, bringing in a raft of economic programs to try and help stimulate the economy and keep the economy on the right track despite all the economic uncertainty. So I'd applaud him for that work. But at the same time, we're, we're almost, I feel that I get the sense that we're moving into a new period of the, the COVID era where the focus maybe is, is you're starting to see a shift from immediate preventative health care measures to, to, to limit the spread. And, and there's more serious conversations now happening about what uh, Canada, what the world will look like, what the economy is going to look like after COVID and how we uh, resume economic operations in this country in a way that makes sure that people are uh, are well supported by the government and are able to uh, not experience too much of a decline in uh, their standard of living, um, and 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 given that the that the government is on that kind of precipice and there's a need for federal leadership, uh, he maybe felt that it was time for someone else to take on that role. So I think it was definitely the responsible thing to do from that point of view uh, to, to kind of make way for that work. Uh, and I'm sure that he'll he'll, he'll launch a very uh, a very serious and uh, and uh, valuable bid for Secretary General of the OECD, and I think it's an interesting role for someone of his kind of background. So uh, yeah, I mean it's it's 
I was surprised as anyone else when I kind of got the news notification that night that he was going to be doing an announcement, but I felt that his reasons when he uh, when he went up and delivered it certainly made sense, and uh, are, it certainly opens up an interesting new set of possibilities Definitely. Uh, in the Canadian political landscape. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean... We- He's done a great job as Minister of Finance, and um, I definitely wish him well in his uh, new endeavors. But you mentioned something interesting, the fact that the future of the Canadian economy, um, you know, the Liberals pre-COVID, they had a new plan, they had a new mandate of what they wanted to do. Um, But COVID, you know, really messed it up, for lack of a better, you know, term. It really messed it up, and, um, you know the future of Canada's economy is really up for grabs. And so this sort of ties into who, you know, the question of who would replace Bill Morneau as Minister of Finance. And literally, I mean, I guess within a couple of hours, we sort of learned, you know, the next morning that it would be our Deputy Prime Minister, Christian Freeland. She would be taking on the portfolio um, of Minister of Finance, but at the same time dropping... uh, the Minister of Intergovernmental Affairs. So this was this was also equally uh, uh, some pretty big news because people were talking about you know um, members of Parliament in the caucus who would be able to you know take on this role, maybe a shuffle within other ministers. But her already, she's uh, the Deputy Prime Minister. She was overseeing a variety of you know portfolios within uh, the Canadian government, and she is now the Minister of Finance as well, um, and. It should be noted as well that she's the first female, she's the first woman to ever be Minister of Finance in Canada's history. So this is a big moment. Um, and I don't know if you saw, she got sworn in today um, and, you know, she was talking to the media. She had a couple of questions that that they asked her. And um, Christia Freeland is a great, you know, smart leader. Um, and she did write a lot of like financial journalism as well during her time as a journalist. So this appointment, this is pretty big. I mean, she's going to have to handle a lot of things. What are your thoughts on Christian Freeland becoming the new Minister of Finance? You know, it's unquestionably big, and it's a very significant and positive step forward for representation in this country. Uh, I was very happy to see that appointment and see that we would be getting uh, the country's first female finance minister. And it's an interesting it's an interesting uh, aside that the associate finance minister, Mona Fortier, who used to be my MP in uh, in Ottawa and in Ottawa Vanier there? Uh, so now it's so now the the finance portfolio that department is is led both is led by two women. It's it's both portfolios are, are led by women, um, and I think it's uh, like I mentioned, it's a positive step forward for representation. And I think look, she's got a, a fantastic track record in government. She's unquestionably politically skilled and understands how the game is played and a very laudable record of achievement in her roles as Minister of International Trade, later Foreign Affairs, handling the, uh, the very tumultuous U.S.-Canada uh, file. And there would have been a lot of economic issues in that, a lot of issues tied up with, fi- with the finance portfolio, with the Canadian economy, jobs, trade, um, tied up in that. And more recently in her role as Deputy Prime Minister, Uh, And intergovernmental affairs really being the government's point person on relations with the provinces. And that also would have intersected with a lot of economic issues. Uh, So I I think she's definitely got the government, uh, the government experience and the chops to take on this senior portfolio. 
And there's also the uh, the fact that she was a financial and a business journalist, right? And she wrote a number of she she published a number of astute uh, books Definitely. on that topic. And yeah. I think someone who's kind of very well respected in the country, a, a, a worthy successor to Bill Morneau, and and someone who is got a proven ability to uh, problem solve for this government. And uh, quite frankly, every file she uh, she deals with. Uh, she seems to be able to have a good result. So I'm very happy. Uh, I, you know, I remember meeting her back in uh, 2017, 2018, maybe. Or I think, that, yeah, it was 2018. And uh, she's definitely a uh, a good a good person for the role and oh, a yeah, hardworking she's awesome. member of caucus. Um, I, I think the other kind of interesting uh, aspect it brings up is that, um, and you know, maybe you were planning on getting to this, but it's it's becoming very clear from the data of the pandemic that it's disproportionately hurting women in the workforce exactly. and, 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 and women's position in the, in the economy. And uh, so I think that'll be a very big task for the government in the recovery to mitigate that and to make sure that women are equally, um, are equally uh, respected and valued and supported in the economic recovery. And her successor, uh, Mr. Morna, would have, you know, made a number of steps in that process, bringing in uh, the Canada's first budget sure, through yeah. a gender lens and legislation to, to kind of uh, try and achieve some of that in the future. Um, but it's it's definitely, uh, I think she's she's definitely got her work cut out for her. Definitely, uh, yeah. In, in, in balancing all those concerns. Oh, for sure. And she actually mentioned that when um, she was speaking to the media today, uh, talking about the effects that COVID-19 has particularly affected women, um, you know, mothers. And uh, she brought up herself as a mother, she will be, you know, looking at um, you know a variety of things through that lens, and I think that's very good that we have a leader like her in this position. She may not have you know the opposition was criticizing how she doesn't have like a bachelor in uh, you know a bachelor in accounting or you know she doesn't actually have education in um, that you know world of business. But you don't particularly have to to be minister of finance. You know I think of like Jean Chrétien for example. He used to be uh, minister of finance. He was a lawyer, right? So and. Christian Freeland herself, she is a, she was a, uh, you know, financial journalist. She wrote a variety of pieces on um, the business world, and her book, of course, is uh, very, very interesting. And her views in, in general, how to, you know, uplift the middle class and all that stuff. So I think it's fantastic that we have her um, in this role. Uh, I can, I, you know, I couldn't be more excited. Uh, for her and for this country as we go into this rebuild period that we have such an awesome leader like her in this position. But there is another fascinating piece of news that sort of gets undermined um, with all the with all the big bombshells about Bill Morneau and Christian Freeland is the proroguing of uh, Parliament. It's um, So essentially what that is is that Parliament is s- sort of hitting the restart button and uh, I think, uh, the, you know, the House of Commons was set to uh, previously, you know, come together on, I think it was August 26th, and now they've sort of uh, postponed that process until September 23rd, I believe. And what the intent is that anytime a government starts a new mandate, they have, you know, uh, the, the throne speech and, uh, you know, they have the whole process all over again. And essentially what the Prime Minister uh, indicated today is that they'd like to hit that restart button and try everything all over again because COVID-19 has truly affected what this government's mandate is going to be and how they're going to interact with a variety of things 
um, you know, post COVID for sure. I mean, uh, so it's going to be fascinating, but you know, there's lots of crying or not crying, but I guess, uh, outrage from the opposition that, you know, Oh, why is parliament being, uh, prorogued for an, you know, an extra month here? Uh, you know, the prime minister criticized prime minister Harper at the time when he'd do the same. There's a lot to take from this. I want to hear what you have to say on that regards. What are you thinking? Yeah, well, look, I mean, there's there's a few parallel or not parallels, rather the opposite of parallels. There's a few uh, differences you can draw uh, points of difference between the prorogation in uh, 2008. I think it was mm-hmm, yeah. under Prime Minister Harper and the current one. And, uh, you know, in, in 2008, it was very much and I think Canadians saw that it was very much a political ploy uh, designed to keep the Harper government and the conservatives in power. Uh, given that they were in a minority situation and it looked like the opposition parties were ready to withdraw uh, their support and form an alternate coalition government. In this case, I think it makes a lot more sense for the for the liberals to to seek prorogation, because, as I was mentioning earlier, we've reached a point in the in, in the whole covid cycle that the focus is turning towards recovery. So the healthcare measures are definitely um, they're definitely front and center. But more and more the economic aspect is coming into play, the societal aspect, and it would be irresponsible for the government not to get ahead of that and present their plan. Uh, They are ultimately people across the country will look to them for that guidance and to see what kind of tone are they setting, how are they supporting Canadians. So I think it makes sense to, to kind of take a bit of a break from Parliament you know, we're not talking a terribly long amount of time here. Exactly. Uh, that the House enough. of Commons will be resumed, you know, before we know it. The time goes very quickly. But they'll be able to present a plan. And, you know, at that time, there will be a new leader of the opposition uh, under the Conservative Party. Uh, and so, so you'll have a, a parliamentary situation where Canadians will face a choice. They have a government in power that uh, will present a plan to deal with the economic situation post-COVID, there will be a new minister leading that file who by that time will have had a chance to settle into the file somewhat. And um, on the other side, there there will be opposition parties calling for different proposals or or likely calling for an outright election. Definitely. Uh, and Canadians will kind of need to make a choice, but I think it makes sense for the government to very clearly use this prorogation and the return to very clearly define where they stand. And, you know, I know I certainly will be supporting them in, in their efforts, and I've been pleased to see the response so far. Um, but to me, it's it's the right thing to do at the right time. It, it it's very much seems to be a move that's in the interest of Canadians. Definitely. And if I, you know, I usually try to be nonpartisan as, as much as I can on the podcast, but if I could take the nonpartisan lens off and put on just what I'm thinking, I'm excited for sure. I mean, like this is hearing the prime minister talk today. It actually excited me because they kept asking him on whether he wanted an election to happen um, when, you know, Parliament reconvened in uh, late September. And he kept saying, no, that is not what we're intending here. We want to hit the restart button. Oh, got an alarm going on here. They want to hit the restart button. And actually, they have plans like tackling climate change, you know, lifting up the middle class. And And he talked about fiscal responsibility as well. Um, so there's lots of plans that the liberal government has, but they haven't had the opportunity to um, take action on them because of this pandemic. And on top of that, you know, there's a $300 billion uh, deficit that's being added into the in, into the you know game here. So uh, I'm very excited to see 
with uh, a you know Christian Freeland is a is a is a very very bright and intelligent person, um, and and our cabinet the the liberal cabinet as well. It's a collection of really really smart people and intelligent people, and they all have great ideas as well. So it's going to be interesting with a new mandate. Uh, hitting the restart button in late September, what this government has in store um, for the country, because this is a period of rebuild, of reconstruction, and it's really, as the Prime Minister said, it's a moment of where Canada is sort of choosing the future that we're going to have for the next, you know, couple of decades even. Um, so it's very, very exciting. Any any final thoughts in regards to that, Henry? Well, yeah. I mean, just jumping off from that, I think the Liberals and the Liberal Party and the Liberal government, they function best as a team. You mentioned the team aspect and that they've got a very smart team. And there's no doubt that they are able to best meet the challenges of government and best serve Canadians when they're functioning as that cohesive team. So my hope for the fall and for the new session of Parliament when it reconvenes is that they will be able to function as a team and, and bring solutions to Canadians that way. You've got some excellent cabinet ministers, some very hardworking members of caucus, parliamentary secretaries, backbenchers who, uh, who, who really do care and really do uh, want to give it their all uh, to, to, to see a, a COVID recovery that's just and effective and uh, balances different considerations like the gender aspect and uh, the need to take further meaningful action on climate change. And so that's my hope. And I think, look, Canadians, uh, by and large, generally don't like to do elections year after year. Uh, I think Canadians generally expect their government to govern and to, to, to fulfill the role that uh, was given to it. And so this fall, I'm hoping that the, uh, the, the new plans that are set out, they can, be, uh, they can work with the opposition parties, work as a, as a cohesive unit to kind of get that on track and then in the new year, we'll see where we stand and be able to go from there. But there's no doubt that it's an interesting time coming up. And as a uh, as a as an undergraduate student and uh, as a young person in this country, there's no uh, no more interesting time to be uh, to be alive and around and engaged in politics. I think definitely, yeah, it's going to be something to keep our eyes on for the next couple of months. Awesome. Well, Henry, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it that you took the time to chat with me. Thank you. My pleasure. And I'm always happy to come on again. I really enjoyed it. And it's uh, it's definitely a, a fantastic show you've got going here. Thank so you, I'm thank always you. happy to participate again if you uh, if you need. Awesome. I'm going to have to take you up on that offer. And also, I know you're writing the LSATs pretty soon. I'm going to wish you good luck on that. You're going to kill it. <laughs> thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks. Well, thanks. Yeah, have a great night, man. All, all the best. Stay safe. You too. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye.